Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. 2023 appears to be the year of artificial intelligence. ChatGPT is, of course, sparking a lot of discussion and fear about the future of white-collar work and school assignments and various other things. And meanwhile, the music business is starting to have some of the same conversations, but not really because of ChatGPT. A couple weeks ago, a song called Heart on My Sleeve by someone who calls themselves Ghostwriter went out briefly on streaming services. Ghostwriter used AI voice cloning software to make it sound like Drake and The Weeknd were singing this song. Universal Music quickly took it down, but it only drew more attention to the question of how AI is going to affect music. The voice cloning technology was nothing new for the past couple months. We've seen it all over TikTok and YouTube. People have been changing Taylor Swift's voice to Kanye West. They've tried changing older Paul McCartney's voice on more recent songs to young Paul McCartney's voice. They've made Biggie rap Tupac songs. All kind of interesting novelties. The technology is sort of in its infancy, and a lot of the training data that people are using is insufficient. What you really need is clean, dry acapella vocals to train these models perfectly. They don't have access to that from people like Kurt Cobain, so a lot of the results are not great. To be clear, Ghostwriter, who claims they're a professional songwriter, almost certainly wrote and produced and even sang this song themselves before morphing the vocals into Drake and The Weeknd. So this is very much a human production, really. And in the end, it wasn't that impressive. It wasn't really up to the standard of Drake and The Weeknd. But what concerns some people is that for a lot of fans, it seemed to be good enough, especially as this software gets better and other uses of AI come into play in music. A lot of people think that this could have effects on the sound and production of music that we can barely predict right now. And one artist has jumped ahead of everyone else. That artist is Grimes. And of course, that's not Grimes. It's something that was made with the voice cloning software that's out there. Unlike any other major artist, Grimes is allowing anyone and everyone to use her voice. She's created a platform at the website elf.tech, elf.tech, that just went up. Upload any song that you've made with Grimes' voice, and it will hit streaming services officially under the name Grimes AI One, which is sort of a new AI hybrid artist that Grimes has created. And you will actually split royalties down the middle with Grimes. And so to discuss that, I'm happy to have with us her manager, Dawuda Leonard, who's also the founder and CEO of CreateSafe, a company that works on innovative tools for artists. The underlying philosophy that you all have regarding her likeness, her voice, that would lead to this kind of decision that, hey, you can use my voice. What, what is the philosophy there? It's a number of things. She often says that 
creativity or like making art is like a conversation with those who came before us and those who are going to come after us. It's like this ongoing, continuous conversation. And so the idea that instead of her controlling or attempting to control what is a gift from the universe, she's like, well, let me open source that. Let me allow people to access what the universe gave me as a gift. And if I do that, what are the new things? What are the new experiences that can be created out of that? What are the new possibilities? People are, have been creating voices since auto-tune right? and even before that, right? Like people like without full on using technology, but like now, instead of believing that this new technology is going to make you obsolete, it's like, well, no, how do you harness it and create the net positive? So I think those are the two, like two ways in which we think about the voice part of it. But in, in general, she has stated that she doesn't necessarily believe in copyright and that there's a lot of gatekeeping that exists around music and music IP. And I like, I don't fully hold that stance all the way, like around copyright. Like I understand potentially like how and why it exists, but I also understand how it can create these negative effects. It'll take, if, if copyright was so strict in the night in the seventies, you wouldn't have hip hop. But then now you, then what happened was you had like more law wrapped around hip hop and it potentially stifled the creativity. It stifled certain opportunities that could have led to maybe more positivity within hip hop. You know, you only got one thing because like law clamped down on it. So that's probably the third area just being like, how can we reimagine how art can be commercialized and monetized? Like we only look at it as like someone has to control it. Someone has to dominate the, around the exclusivity of it. And therefore, that's the only way to make money. But what is the opposite version of that? It feels like even Claire and maybe you are delighted and taken aback by how much people have instantly jumped on this. Uberduck, which is a, a site that facilitates voice cloning, among other things, uh, immediately added a special grime section to their site and now is having a contest for the sort of best grimes voice driven music production. Claire's voice might end up being one of the most heard voices in a fire. One of the things that how we're looking at this is this is a new social creation moment, right? Like it's actually changing the paradigm of how we interact with music and music creation, right? Well, like we look at it only as a static thing. And so the reason to jump on the idea of other, you know, companies having these voice clones um, and people proliferating like ideas, it's like, well, that's just fan art. What's the difference between what people have been doing with properties like League of Legends, Harry Potter, Star Wars? Etc. They're making all of this amazing fan art, and they're also monetizing that amazing fan art. That's a beautiful relationship between the, the consumer and the fan and the creators of that IP. And so that's what we're jumping on. That's what we're excited about. It's it. Yes, it's like a it's like a crazy social interaction that just couldn't have existed until now. A couple of months ago, she did this image jam inside of Mid Journey's Discord with the founder David Holtz. And for three hours, they did a Discord stage where they were just they were discussing art, philosophy, and all these things. While, like, basically, like two thousand plus people generating images. That's a, that's like Twitter, where you're like people are instead of they're posting just random thoughts, they're posting 
ideas that AI is now generating. And like, it's crazy. Like, you find it on YouTube. It's like this crazy, like image stream of like, you going from like structures to underwater experiences to pink sci-fi to Barbie. And it's like, yo, what is going on? And it's, it's collective conscious creating together in a crazy, beautiful way. So what could happen right now when you bring that into the music experience? And like that creativity becomes fluid and moving and in a new, beautiful way. Whereas like right now you just make a song three minutes, put it on Spotify and it's static. The person goes and listens to it. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But how are we saying we should stop only at that experience of that's how we add song to playlist. We listen to a bunch of songs on the playlist instead of engaging it. The most easily available models, for example, what you can do in UberDuck, it's pretty hard to make that sound great. They're not really ready. There may be some of the VITS software that you can run locally probably has higher quality, but it takes a pretty large degree of technical knowledge to get those running relatively. My understanding is that you are working on your own software, your own platform to allow people to do this better? We will be launching that on an application that we developed with Grimes. It's called Elf.Tech. And we there's more to Elf.Tech than what I'm saying right now. But the new feature that will be added is the ability to record. You can view a mobile desktop. You can sit there and record, sing into it, and then transfer Grimes' voice onto yours. Download that acapella, make a song out of it, and then upload it back to Elf Tech and have it distributed to Spotify. Wow. That's, and, and then we are also, for the professionals, right, the people that you just spoke about, we've added an access link to Grimes stems of songs that she's made in the past. So we could give those people the ability to train their models better because their models, they're training that off of YouTube data songs that have been out like they're not training it off of like dry vocals separated vocals like properly separated like they're using other ai software to separate them and so that's why you're not getting you're not getting the quality per se and so we're we we, it's a two-way street like we want not only do we want to give general fans anyone who you know isn't so too super technically savvy ability to do this we want the pros to join us in this open source journey so we can make the models better so we can create new like who knows what if we're going to create new types of grimes of voices because we now start collaborating with all of these different companies out there to create something that we didn't even realize could be developed one thing that people are starting to talk about is that you can perhaps very soon there'll be something where you can combine Grimes with with Michael Jackson with the weekend all into one model and make a super voice that didn't exist before that you could then sing in and that that seems very plausible in the very new f- near future correct totally i also just did not think about it just that like i feel like we're hung up on this idea of using celebrity voices because we're just being led by like low energy motivation like it's it feels like oh that's an obvious thing to do whereas like the most hyper creative the most brilliant artists the special people on this earth who i'm not saying that everybody's not special but i think we're all special but it's like the people who are able to like 
raise their level of creativity up to the point where they're like, yo, I'm just going to invent something new with this technology with my voice and other inputs that are not like famous people, right? I don't need to necessarily go after, like, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. This is a dumb idea. But like, it's like, I'm going to take my dog's voice and do something with that. You just get something different at that point in time. In theory, right? You probably could run a dog's bark into as the vocal model and then make it speak. Absolutely, you could do that, actually. So it would sound insane. But yeah, so I, I know what you're saying. To take it back for a minute, obviously... The thing that sparked interest in this for people who hadn't already been following it. Of course, when this Drake Weekend song dropped from Ghost Rider 77, even though it wasn't actually doing anything new technologically that we hadn't seen over the past couple months, just the sheer fact of it really seemed to have a huge impact on the sort of minds of people in the industry. What was your impression of how people reacted to that? I think that people reacted like the same way they react to just any type of social media content that has that that feels memeable. And I just feel like what the meme was is this is how these people typically sound. They rap with these types of cadence and sing with these types of cadences. They rap and sing about these types of lyrics. And so it was almost like someone making a social commentary on what's easily creatable. So it's a meme versus, oh, we just did something in completely original and new with Drake and The Weeknd. And then that would have, I think that would have, I think that Drake and The Weeknd and their teams, and I would hope to think that those people would have been like, whoa, I want to use this stuff now. Whereas the reaction from fans was like, this is a dope meme. We love it. It's better than them. It's like, no, that song is not better than them at all, in my, op- in my opinion. Mine too. And then on the other side, you have the people who own the works being like, yo, we're going to shut this down because we feel like this is adversarial to us. It doesn't feel like what I was talking about earlier, where this is like this new form of engagement. It feels adversarial. And like the music industry is always going to respond to adversarial behavior in an aggressive way. Do you think Universal should not have responded in this negative way? Should they have not have taken it down? I agree with them taking it down because it just felt like it was no consent. And that's something that that, that I think is important. I'm passionate about the idea of consent. Like we use that word consent. It has like a lot to do with how people are exploited in general. You don't push for change by exploiting someone else. I've been speaking to a lot of people about this, and there is this sense that in one way, it is like Napster in the sense that it's like Pandora's box. Once it's open, you can't close it. Once these technologies are available, you're just going to be playing whack-a-mole for the rest of your life if you're a label with people using your artist's voices so that perhaps the only way to go is to figure out some way to, to monetize and license it. There's talk of finding algorithms so you can track the voices. But there is there is this sense of, are they even going to be able to quash this or is it uncontrollable? Is consent out the window in a practical sense either way? There's all these different types of like ways in which artificial intelligence can be used by those groups, created by those groups, because the capital exists to change that narrative, right? Like you just, you, what you created, what you just explained was a more of a dystopian narrative but then it's, okay, what is the opposite of that? It is a more 
utopian, I guess, narrative. And then there's the middle, right? So unless the music industry begins to develop these types of technologies, like they can't and they can't only invest in these companies. They can't only ask them for equity. They can't only ask them to put their content on their platforms. They actually mm. have to create the technology. Like the one of the oldest record labels, RCA, started out as a technology company. <laughs> it literally created the Victrola, RCA. And then Sony is a technology company. So where is that innovation? Like you can't be like, oh man, it's the cat's out of the bag, Pandora's box, and what are we going to do? You're going to build something of your own. That's just the evolution of this fourth industrial revolution that we're in. And if you don't, then yeah, you will get left behind. You will become extinct. Claire tweeted that something that implies the belief that maybe many or most artists will end up consenting to this. She said that in the end, the ones who don't might get something special by being the sort of artisanal voices that aren't allowed to be reproduced. But it seems like, at least from her perspective, a lot or most might end up opting in. In your opinion, do you think that it is, in the end, a lot of people are going to go Grimes's way and, and allow this in some way? Or how do you, what, what's your best prediction? I think that it doesn't matter what current artists decide to do, because in 10 years, there'll be a million new artists in the world who will have grown up using these tools. And so I prefer to maybe think about what they're going to do, not what the what someone did in the past or what someone is doing today. And I think that there are then people who are currently interested in doing that. I was talking with a producer and he was so excited about what he could potentially do with this software and what like how he could potentially now go from just like designing voices the way he did before but now like actually designing voices and then someone could use vo- these voices that he designed wow. it's like a whole new form of production it's like most producers i know or engineers want to make plugins and vsts that's that's, how, that's one of the holy grails once you get on you're like yo plug-in companies vsc companies i want to do a deal with what with, with y'all so i could get like my plugin for VST in this software. And it's like the hardest thing to actually achieve. But now we're actually hitting that moment. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Google has something called Music MLM. So that's, it's basically, it's almost like ChatGPT for generating music. You can just be like, I want a 1999 style Jay-Z beat, blah, blah, blah. And it works apparently, but they're not allowing it to go to the public because it, it tends to violate copyright. It, once in a while, it generates something that, quote unquote, generates something that actually already exists. So they don't know how to deal with that. And maybe they're concerned about the training data as well. But once you can get a beat, that sounds good just by typing. That's another fascinating frontier here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I just think that first, like, it's, I think it's like completely obvious why Google had to pull back. Right. It's because you know where their data comes from. And then I think the paradox that we're in, right, is these, these models exist that's trained on all of our data across different industries and genres and mediums. And so it's like we can't. It's going to be very hard to reverse engineer and figure out who owns what. And so you're just going to have to come to a place where people just start to do business in a fa- like that's this is where fair and equitable conversations become like a real thing and not just this thing that people talk about because it's going to require like people to step back off of like profit at any by any means necessary and by getting every single penny and to we have to like share because it, none of this exists without this much human input, collective human input. And so to your, to, I guess to your point about just like how fascinating it is to just generate tracks and blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of software like that does already exist. It's not as sophisticated as Google Music LM. But I think what we're missing currently is like the interfaces for doing it. I don't like people typing in words as to how they're going to create something. I'm not sure I, that is the way in which yeah, the optimal form of doing it. And so I think that it's like, we're stuck in these weird like moments where we have this in our mind. We were like, yo, this is a, we want this to exist, but it doesn't exist. And so we're working with primitive versions of something that we want to see. There's no new science fiction for this. Like we're in the science fiction, we're in a sci-fi era without new sci-fi to potentially influence what we do next. And so this is why artists need to be more involved in what's happening because artists are the ones who inspire the engineers. Um, Grimes just said this on this panel we were doing. People were like a lot of engineers were inspired by Isaac Asimov and then they made these things. Right. So it's like this like constant. That's an artist influencing an engineer. And you need that dance to just really get just like more popping needed to be a party. Is there any concern about the idea that, because this is what you might hear many artists say, if Grimes's voice ends up being everywhere, if that really happens, you flip through TikTok and here's another new Grimes song, if it really catches on to that extent, is there any legitimate concern that, geez, the next time she comes out with a single, that's somehow devalued because you're hearing her everywhere? You don't hear that much of Grimes to begin with. I guess we'll have to see what that, that looks like. And like I said, like, what if, 
what happens is you're just seeing, it's just UGC content. And what becomes clear is that you have this fan fiction, you have this fan community that's built around this AI voice, right? We're not going to allow people to upload Grimes songs. We're saying, Mm. here's Grimes AI one. You're going to be able to upload to Grimes AI one. That's imagine that they're basically saying we just created a new profile on social media. And now the, the community gets to participate in creating a, a new artist, a new type of art, a new type of experience. If someone tries to go on Spotify, for instance, and just post a song under Grimes' name, that's not something you're going to allow. It's, it's not even possible right now, just so you know that. Yeah, in the last 24 hours, the people have already attempted that. And every distributor in the world already knows. And I got screenshots from someone and they're like, look at this. They're saying I can't upload this. They, I need an artist contract. It was like TuneCore and then DistroKid. They were like, yo, you need this. And you know what our strategy actually as a company is we're going to partner or we're working through partnering with different distribution platforms because what we want to create is a system. Like right now we're saying, hey, the experiment is you need to mm-hmm. upload it through this sort of closed system so we can manage this process to see how like the effects of it but as we begin to scale it and we can basically integrate with other distribution companies it allows then people who already use those services to now use those platforms and everybody get compensated like it closes the loop and allows for the sort of compensation for all parties the rhetoric i'm hearing from universal music etc I know when the industry is clearing its throat leading up to the lawyers coming out for the big lawsuits, it's less clear to me who they would sue, but it does seem like they're itching to sue somebody who's using their artist voices and establish 100% that name and likeness protection applies to these AI voices. Are you hearing rumblings of them trying to sue anybody? I haven't heard the word lawsuit, but I've I hear that there are definitely like task force that have been assembled and people are working diligently to get as many artists and artist advocates to back some form of message to these companies. And I think that's boring. I think that like the send an email to open AI. Hey, what's up? How do we do business after we build something together? Like that, that's how I see it. Like, and I, but I think that they've always had, they've always had these like semi-adversarial relationships. If you talk to anybody in the investor community, they're always like, oh yeah, we can't invest in those music platforms because it's like music business. You can't do that. This is going to be a problem. I think what the music groups want to do is present some form of united front amongst artists and people who own catalog to basically ask or make us a bold statement that like, yo, this is not correct. You need our permission. If you go back to the Napster days, there was tremendous technical ignorance at the labels. They didn't understand anything. There were were a few people who were technically savvy, but there were tremendous numbers of people you talked to and they barely knew what an MP3 was. It was just startling back in the day. And what I am seeing around some of this, like the Drake Weekend song is 
people who are very confused, people who think that entire song was AI generated versus someone made a beat, wrote melodies and sang them themselves and then morphed their voice into Drake and The Weeknd, which is what actually happened. There's people who think the whole thing was magically generated by an AI. So how much just confusion and, dare I say, ignorance are you seeing from some people in the industry? I don't know if I'm gonna, I want to call it confusion. I, what I do think is that where maybe the disconnect is happening is that we're in the fourth industrial revolution mm. and we are, it's happening so fast. And so we haven't had a moment to even think about, we've just had the moment to think about what social media has done to our behavior, to our minds to how we communicate with one another, all of these different things, right? Like it, it like, it, it just drastically changed us. We, and also all the physical technology that we have, like we are, as Brian's like to say sometimes, homo techno or techno sapiens. Like we, we have become like, without having to put computer chips in ourselves and have body augmentation in that way, <laughs> We are one with computers. And so now AI is just a new evolution of that. And we just don't have the language to process it. We don't have the philosophies to discuss it yet. But what we're doing is saying, look at this old stuff that it applies to it. And it's at a moment in time where like, it's almost, ah, can we do that? Are we? Do you, do you really think it is possible? And people, just because all they have is that, they don't have the technical innovations that the software and hardware industries have. They're just like basing it on what the, you call precedent, things that have been coded into law. And so it's like, you're just using an old mind to think about what is happening right now. And so that's where the disconnect, and it could be perceived as confusion. It could be conceived as perceived as ignorance and things like that, but it's actually just like an inability to process what is going on. Whereas like other people are like forging ahead and being like, we're not even, we don't even want to attempt to understand it yet because it's being formed. So we just have that, like, that's why I'm, it's more so we're advocates and we want people to be advocates of participating in the formation. So you can shape it in a way that fits you, that represents you, that works for you and your and the next generation to be in the new world, because it's like the new world is being created. What do you think of the argument, we were, we were talking about the Drake and Weekend thing, that there's something a little offensive, it goes the argument, that the first genre that people who are trying this with is rap and black artists, and that there's an implication that th that it's an insult to sort of artistry, and that it's part of this sort of tradition of cultural appropriation. That's an argument that's been out there a bunch about this track. And that also that the sort of badness of the track is itself an insult because it diminishes what those artists actually do. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's the worst, that's the worst of human behavior coming to haunt us. And so it's, it's, a, it's actually a gut check maybe to, for people to be like, oh, wow, that's what the computers think. No, it's actually what a human thinks. But, but if we keep training the computers and the machines to think that way, it will think that way. So I look at it as 
it's it's a way to create moral efficacy in this day and age where religion doesn't stick anymore. Sometimes I, I say this often is like you need the chaos before the order, right? Like you you need like order is formed from chaos. And this is the it, chaos now. You know, yeah. This is the chaos now, right? You you experience you understand pleasure because you also understand what pain is. It's like you, it's, it's one doesn't exist without the other. If you only have pleasure, you just wouldn't be able to understand what pain is. The most prevalent yeah. use of this thing, so far it's just been get Kanye to sing a million different songs. This sort of cover song thing, that's going to be, I would bet, a novelty that fades once people got tired of it. I hope it is. It's boring. Yeah. yeah it's boring. I Yeah. To me, it's boring. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't even know. Personally, I also just, I don't listen to a lot of covers. But cover songs are a fabric of music, right? It's like a part of the weave, the tapestry. And great artists have covered songs all the time. I think that like when you're seeing like, you're like being like, oh, Kanye is covering this song. It's okay, cool. Yeah. But like, I want to hear a new artist come out and cover. That's me, personally. Yeah. But your point about the chaos is well taken. We're in that now. We're in the chaos. And if we can accept that, we now know that our mission is to create the order. So right now, it's voice cloning in some form. That's the thing that people are excited about. What, in your opinion and from your talks with Claire, what is the next thing in music and AI that you would predict that gets this much attention and excitement and fear? I think, I hope it's like what we're building, like what we built this, we built like this platform. We call it Trinity. It's what Elf Tech basically operates off of. And we look at this as like this imagination playground for artists and their teams to be able to create new experiences around music, right? To create new fan engagement experiences through creativity. And Elf Tech is just the first iteration of of you being able to see what the power of Trinity is. We believe that a creative person or a team of creative people need what we call multiplayer creativity software that enables them to take their ideas and create music, art, videos, games, all of these experiences, all these experiences around the core thing, a song. And I think that will change how people, yeah, they'll be excitement there'll be fear there'll be all these things where it's oh wow like you're changing the way in which we collaborate like managers a lot of the times are artists they're creative people lawyers even sometimes like these are people who because they're working in in this creative field because they want to do creative things and we look at our platform as a way to give all of those people the tools to utilize their creative abilities in new ways and maybe you'll get lawyers crafting new types of deals and thinking about IP in new creative ways. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was three page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.